thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, I pray that we would receive your love and your grace and your peace and your understanding. God, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the struggle, we would receive all that you have for us. Not because we're trying to be greedy, not because we're trying to get something from you, but because you want to give something to us. This isn't about us striving to receive, but rather an openness of our hearts to receive. So God, whatever doors we've closed to you, I pray that we would open them. God, whatever avenues of our life that we have not let you inside, Lord, I pray that we would let you inside. Lord, whatever hurts, whatever pains, whatever past things that have happened in our lives, Lord, whatever past hurts or, or struggles or pains, God, as much as we have shut those down because we don't want to feel anymore, God, I pray that you would come in and bring healing. That you would bring love. That you would bring hope. May we open up our hearts to you again. To receive what you have for us. May we receive the blessings of the sons and daughters of Christ. The open arms of a father. And the things that are needed. The resources that are needed. To go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We took a little time to be with Jesus. Took a little time to be in his spirit. I know it's a, a little bit different, but sometimes, listen, sometimes we need to be forced into peace. I know that seems weird, but sometimes we can't have it all on our own. Someone's got to guide us and lead us there. And I pray that you sensed the spirit this morning comforting and speaking to you. I pray that you got a sense of that this morning. Because listen, I can, uh, I can talk till I'm blue in the face. But the only thing that's going to change your life is the Spirit of God and Jesus and you encountering Jesus. That is the only thing that's going to change anything in your life. I can share... I can talk, but this is, this one-on-one -on -one connection that you have with Christ, that's, that's a life-changing, that's a life-changing relationship. I can point you in that direction, but you've got to engage. And I pray that you did this morning. I pray that you'd find that place with him on a regular basis to do that. Amen? It's good. It's good. You feel refreshed this morning? Hmm. I do. I do. It's good to be in God's presence this morning.
Pastor Corey's going to give me a lecture after the service, and I'm looking forward to it, buddy. Not for the reason that you think. I just, I really want to not take up a lot of your time, and I know that we've spent time in God's presence, and I, I want to give you a little piece of the word this morning, and just, just some quick points just to, to encourage you and what we've been talking about, and, and uh, we've been talking about connecting to our network and, and, and just being so excited about Jesus that we share him and that we, we give him and we, we tell people about him. And, and uh, this morning, I just want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Every Saturday morning, I go garage sailing. So if you're going to have a garage sale, if you could send me a text, that would be awesome. Although it might feel a little bit weird me trying to negotiate the prices with you. <laughs> anyway, I, I go garage sailing this morning, and this week was especially good, and I found some really good garage sales and found some, found some really good stuff, but I'm, I'm always humbled by the people. I'm always humbled when you drive through some neighborhoods and you see, you see the lawn of the people who really care about their lawn. You know? The people who really care about their lawn. You know the people who like, who uh, when, they, when you look at their house, they want you to believe that it's perfect and that they just have the, 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 the proper driveway that's, that's sculpted and they've got like the shrub that is almost perfectly a sphere. And uh, they've got, it's just like, have you ever seen these, these homes? Maybe it's your home. And I'm not saying you're doing a bad job. I'm just saying I'm amazed at your commitment. And I look at their lawns, and I, and I remember driving by a person who, had a, who, who was living in a townhouse, and, and no word of a lie, there was this much lawn be, between the next property and the driveway, and it was about from me uh, to the front of the chairs, and there was a sign on this piece of lawn that said, please keep off the grass. I'm telling you, it was a strip of like four by 12 it was nothing. It was like this strip of grass, and they were so excited about growing their piece of grass. But you know what? You know what I found about grass? It takes a lot of work. Right? It takes a lot of work to, like, form and make this grass look good and make it look like it's, like, like somebody... Like, it's not an easy thing to do. You've got to, like, pull weeds and, like, trim things and plant seed and fertilizer and water, and it's just, like, it's just, it's just grass, right? <laughs> it's just grass, right? But sometimes I think... And as far as our Christianity is concerned and our network, is it's, it's very much like that is that sometimes we think we could, this is just kind of like a, this is just kind of like a, a, a plug-in to Jesus and he, he works everything out and that God has kind of somehow spontaneously helped me to, to do everything and, and bless everybody in my network. And the truth is, is that it takes some work. It takes some effort in order to grow grass. It takes some effort in order to keep your network healthy. And the way for us to do this is that we need to realize that we're an important piece in our network. Jesus says something in the Sermon on the Mount that just blows me away. 
He says, something on the Sermon on the Mount just blows me away. He starts talking about blessed are the poor, and he says all this amazing stuff. And Jesus isn't just talking to his disciples. He's talking to the nation of Israel, and they're all gathered around him. They're not all there, but there's a group of people that aren't disciples. They're just people. And he says to them, you are the light of the world. You are. What? (laughs) You You see, I think Jesus is the light of the world. I think, to me, I'd be like, no, 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 no. That's your job. You're the light of the world. And Jesus says, no. He says to people who, listen, are unrefined, who are untaught, they don't know much about this, this Jesus person, and they don't, under, they don't necessarily know all that Jesus is, and yet he speaks to them and says, you're the light of the world. You are the beacon of hope for the world. You are the salt of the earth, he says in the other verses. And I, I, found that, I find that surprising every time I read it because I think to myself, well, I am? Like, that's, like I am? The truth is, that is true. That is true. That we are the light of the world. That we are the light of the world and that in, with, inside of our network, we have, to, we have to create some health. We have to create some stability. We have to create some sort of idea that... that that what we're drawing ourselves to, what, who, the Jesus that we're representing is not some crazy mess. And I know that appearances don't mean everything, but I know what it's, I know what it's like when I haven't cut my grass for a while. I know what the front, my front yard looks like. And I think to myself, man, if I had anybody over, I'm not sure what they would think. <laughs> See, we want, to, we want to create an idea of stability because that's what Jesus brings, right? Isn't that what Jesus brings? He brings stability. He brings balance. He helps us to bring peace. He helps us to bring rest so that our life isn't erratic. It's not all over the place. It's not crazy. It's not unrefined. That's not the Jesus we're trying to give to people. We're trying to give a great representation of Christ, a healthy understanding of who he is. Well, in order to do that, We have to, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 5, verse 1, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. We're his children. So we've talked about that today. We represent him. We represent Christ. We're his children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You see, we want our network to be healthy and to be stable because you know what it's like when you're connecting to an unstable Wi-Fi network. Right? Right? You get all excited about connecting to a network and you connect and then for a while you have access to the internet and then it drops out and it goes away. You're like, well, why am I not connected anymore? Why is, has this stopped working? What's going on? How come I'm, I'm, I'm no longer connected? What's going on? And then it connects again. And you're, you've got a couple more seconds of the internet, and then it disconnects. And then your device decides to stop connecting to that network because it's too unstable. Church, if we're, if we're going to connect with our network, it has to be a stable connection. 
It has to be, it, it's got to be something that's stable or healthy because in the end, once you get, try and connect to that internet access, right, and you, eventually you just say, ah, forget it. It's not worth it because you're frustrated with the instability. You're frustrated with the extremes of having access and then not having access. Be imitators of God. Part of our vision statement is that we're trying to build a spiritual home here. We're trying to build a spiritual home that, this would, that these people, the people around us, they would feel like home. Not this room, not this building, this people. Because the, the church is people. We can, have go, we can have church in a field and we would be the church. And so what we're trying to do is build a spiritual home together. And we want that home to be inviting. You see, I want my kids forever to want to come home. Right? I don't, at ever, not at any point in my life is there a moment when I don't want my, I want my kids to feel like I don't want to go home because they don't want me there. I always, I always, I always would want my home to feel like it is a place that they belong. And that's what we're trying to build here as a church. A spiritual home together. That this would be a place they would never want to avoid but would want to come. That would miss, they would miss out on the opportunity to be together because they feel as though they belong. Well, that's what we, should, we want to try and create within the network of people that God has called us to. That we shouldn't be people that others want to avoid. Right? <laughs> I don't want to be the guy who people run away from when they see me in the grocery store. I don't want to be the guy where they see them across the street and they decide to like, take a side street instead of going down this street. I, we don't want to be those people. We want to be the people who, are, who, are con, who want to be connected to us. Now, sometimes you can't help that. Sometimes people are going to hate you because they hate you. But we can only control what we can control. And so as far as we're concerned, we want to create an environment around us, an environment in our network, an environment of the people that we know around us, our network, that would draw people in and not push people away. Make sense? So to start with, my first point is about how do we act? What is that attracts people to us? The most. What is it? What part of our character can we display that's like Jesus as imitators of Christ that will draw the most amount of people towards us? And I would say it comes between these, it's, it's a balance between these two things. It's a balance between humility and confidence. Humility and confidence. You're just like, well, how? How can I be humble and confident? Well, I'm just going to tell you. Because Jesus did it. He killed it. It was awesome. Sorry about the lingo. Romans 12, 3 says this, Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Sometimes we 
we can try and exude some confidence, and sometimes our confidence can be as arrogance, and, and we start thinking to ourselves that we're better than others. Well, people can tell when you think you're better than them, right? Can you tell when you think someone around you is better, thinks they're better than you? Can you tell? Well, they can tell too. <laughs> they can tell too. No one, likes, no one likes to be around that. Okay, so there's something about humility, something that says, okay, I don't think that I'm better than you, but there's also a confidence that we need to have. Okay? Titus 3.5 says this, He saved us not because of the righteous things that we've done, but because of his mercy he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life in the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. But because of his grace, he has, cra- he has declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we might inherit eternal life. You see, there's something about being a Christian that brings confidence. There's something about understanding that he has saved us and that we have joined in our relationship with Christ that means that we'll have eternal life with us. Well, I don't know about you, but that brings me confidence. That gives me a little bit of a, whew. I don't have to put my head down. I don't have to walk around on the floor like I'm, a, like I'm a, the lowliest person here. And here becomes the balance between humility and confidence. Because you know what people like to be around? Other people like to be around confident people. But not arrogant ones. To be confident and not arrogant. To have confidence and yet still have humility. Now, See, the extreme of confidence is arrogance, and no one wants to be around them. But the problem is, is the extreme of humility is like people who feel like they're dirt. And honestly, most people don't necessarily want to be around that either. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm horrible. Life's just horrible all the time. I don't know what I'm going to do with my frog. He won't eat. He won't sleep. I don't know what to do. Oh, man. If someone is like this all the time about everything, there are a certain group of people who are going to want to be with them just because misery likes company, right? There's a couple of the people who are, they're going to have some friends because they'll just be like, man, my frog is the same as your frog. <laughs> and life is just hor- I totally understand. Let's cry together every day. They're, you're going to attract some people. And the opposite is true. Look, the overconfident, arrogant people, they're going to attract the other overconfident, arrogant people. Because they'll just stand in a circle and they'll talk about themselves and take turns. It's amazing. You see what I did yesterday? Yeah, I went out of the golf course, shot like five over. Oh, five over. Oh, I went to this golf course and I shot three over. Oh, yeah, well, I went to this. Co- and it just, it just, and they love it. But if we're going to have a healthy network, and there's, there's this balance of humility and confidence that we need to have because it's the confidence that the confident people will be drawn into and it's the humility that those who may be feeling those dark moments in their life, those, mom- those people who are struggling with depression, they're not going to be overpowered by your confidence because it won't be arrogance. 
You see, the people who are going through dark times, they don't want to have anything do, to do with the arrogant person because it's too overwhelming for them. They just start thinking to themselves, well, that person's way better than me. I would never want to talk to them. It's the confidence and the humility working hand in hand. The confidence and the humility working together that you're going to draw people into your network. It's going to be a, a healthy opportunity to reach as many people as possible. The second thing we have to do in order to have a healthy network is to look past appearances. We have to be able to look past appearances. We have to be able to, to look beyond what people look like, what people talk like, what people sound like. Because you know what? People had to look past that when they saw Jesus. You know the Bible says that Jesus wasn't a good looking man? That he didn't have long flowing hair and blue eyes and silky white skin? The Bible doesn't say anything about that. In fact, the Bible in Isaiah says that Jesus wasn't going to be someone to be any, anything special. He wasn't going to look specifically anything significant. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in the dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing for us to attract him to us. So there's nothing in the way that he looked that was impressive. Jesus was a carpenter by trade. It wasn't a bad job back in the days of the Bible, but it wasn't like the best job. It's not like he was a scholar. He wasn't in the, the tribe of the Pharisees. He didn't, he, he didn't have that. The carpenter wasn't the worst job, but it wasn't the best job. He was just an average Joe. Okay, grew up in Nazareth. Nazareth was just a regular town. It wasn't like a special place. It's not like a place that you would travel to. You know, there's no TripAdvisor uh, topics for, for Nazareth, right? There's, when there's things to do in Nazareth, you know it's a really bad town when you go to TripAdvisor and you think the, the things to do and how many, the top things to do in the TripAdvisor and there's like five things to do in Nazareth. Uh, go to the mill, or go to the lake, or something like that. But there was nothing to do in Nazareth. It wasn't a popular place. It was just an average place. There was nothing in the way Jesus was brought up. There was nothing in his appearance. There was nothing about Jesus that was physically or optically impressive. And so we, if we're going to be Christ-like, to put ourselves in, in Christ's shoes to rea and the reality is, is that this is how Jesus viewed the world. He did not look at outward appearances. And so we, if we want to have a healthy network, we have to make sure that we don't write off the people that we're connected to because of the way that they look, because of the, what, of the cars that they drive, uh, because of, of the food that they eat or the way that they smell when they come into work or the interaction that we may in, interact with them and realize it's not about appearances and if it, and because what happens is, is that we automatically prejudge people based on their appearance. We automatically do. We can try, we, we, I try and stop myself all the time, but it's, it's super hard. On both ways, listen, both people, and on both ways, because sometimes when we think we're better than other people, we think, we think to ourselves, wow, that person really smells bad. Or, what are they doing with their hair? What, look at their outfit, like what is going on? Like, did you not look at yourself in the mirror today? And what that does is that, that that creates an idea of arrogance that says, 
well, that means we're probably not going to be friends. It creates, it creates a barrier because automatically in that moment, you have placed yourself in a better place than them. Because you have thought to yourself, well, that's not how I would do it. I would do it this way. So now that is a place of arrogance. The problem is the opposite is true. Because then we come in contact with people who we think are better than us. Right? Well, that person's got more money. That person's got a better car. They've got a better job. Their family, their kids seem to listen to them. They look amazing. But you know what? I don't think we could be friends. You know why? They're just a little bit too intimidating to me. Well, those are appearances, church. Amazing that Jesus could talk to the rich. He could talk to the poorest of the poor, but he could also talk to Nicodemus. He could also talk to the rich young ruler. Jesus, look past those appearances. If we're going to create a healthy network, if we start just staying within our, our own people group, our own, the only little types of people that we think that we're perfectly connected to, then we're missing out. Then our network won't be healthy. You know why? Because there's only going to be a handful of people that you're going to be reaching. Not because Jesus doesn't want you to, but because you've looked at appearance and prejudged what you think they're all about. And that's not fair. It's not what Jesus did. That's not how Jesus came into the earth, into the world. And we've got we've to make sure that we don't do that as well. Last thing that we can do is encourage, in, encourage the people in our network. If there's nothing else that you can do, if there's nothing else that you can say, is the word of encouragement brings life. The word of encouragement brings life. You know, that saying, when, uh, that old saying, if you don't have something nice to say, then don't say it at all. Listen, there are moments that we need to have conflict, but I am telling you, 99% of the time, you need to be encouraging the people in your network. Find a way to encourage them. Find a way to bring encouragement into your life. It is so significant encouraging people that it's actually named as one of the gifts in the Bible, a spiritual gift. In Romans 12, 3, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's leadership ability, if it's kindness, but it's, it's specifically spoken that there's something about bringing encouragement into people's lives, being positive, being, bringing hope into people's lives. The first way that you can do it with your words. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. <laughs> but encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. You can be so encouraging with your words, but you can also speak death with your words. If, if you're trying to connect, listen, if you're trying to get people to connect to Jesus, then it's, it's only done through kindness. It's only done through encouragement. That's what Jesus was all about. Jesus had every, like so many opportunities to condemn people and he didn't. He encouraged them. He gave them kindness. Words of encouragement. And it doesn't have to be fake. It doesn't have to be you don't, have to, you don't have to think to yourself, okay, uh, I'm going to make something up that I don't think is true and say it. Don't lie to people. They know when you're lying. Some of them don't care, but some of them do. 
Don't lie to people, but you can be encouraging. You can find you can find good things in people's lives and encourage them and the stuff that they do and the way that they work and, and lots of you have opportunities to be an authority in the places that you work and the places that you are and this is your opportunity to be encouraging, to specifically think to yourself, how can I be an encourager? Here's another really practical way to, to encourage people. 1 Peter 5.12 says this, I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas who commended you as faithful brother. My purpose in writing to you is to encourage and assure you that what you're experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in his grace. Now here's, here's a modern translation of what, of what uh, Peter is saying. He's saying, I have Facebooked and Twitter messaged you and sent this short letter to you. Listen, Facebook can be extremely horrible. But the one thing that you can do on Facebook and Twitter that is amazing is that you can be encouraging. That you can be encouraging. If you want to go on Facebook, I, I dare you to do it. Go on your Facebook, go to all your friends and say something encouraging to all of your friends. As soon as you see a post, I know it's going to take some of you forever because you have 1,500 friends. But listen to me. This is a real opportunity Peter wrote a letter. In the Bible, they wrote letters. And you know how long? It took, them, it took them a long time for their letter to get to their church. But they didn't care. You know why? Because they wanted to encourage them from afar. They couldn't have the face-to-face conversation. They didn't have time to phone them on the, on the phone because they didn't have a phone. And they didn't, couldn't do it. So the way that they did it was they wrote a letter. It is the written word. And the translation of the written word in today's context is Facebook and Twitter and social media. And I'm not joking. You can send people those messages. It's easy. You've got a phone. You could do it like right in this second. Don't do it. You could do it. You could do it like instantaneously. Stop it, Ivan. You could do it instantaneously. You can encourage the people around you. You don't have to necessarily have the face-to-face conversation to bring a word of encouragement. It's a, how do you feel when someone encourages you? Even when it's on social media, when they say something nice about you. It feels good, doesn't it? It doesn't feel awful. It's not like you think to yourself, oh man, I wish they hadn't done that. No! This is an opportunity to encourage your network. This is an opportunity that at any moment of the day, at any moment when you're thinking of them, is send them a message. So just thinking about you and praying about you today. Hope, things hap- hope you have a great day today. That took like seven seconds. It took me like 12 because I suck at texting. Right? Come on. These are very practical things that you can do. If we're trying to keep our network healthy, then this is the opportunity, is find a place to be encouraging. Find a moment to be encouraging. And it doesn't always have to be face-to-face, although that's the best way. But if we can't spend time face-to-face, then send them a message. Thinking of you. Praying for you. Find out something personal that's going on in your life. And, and, and you know, I hope your kid does great at basketball today. I hope your kid does awesome at soccer today. And, man, I hope uh, things start going better at your job. And, oh, man, I, I, just, I, just, I just pray that you, that you would win that thing that you're bidding on. And I just, you can totally do this. And you might think to yourself, oh, Pastor Shane, that's, that's kind of silly that you would talk about Facebook as a tool. What do you mean? 
This is what they did. They wrote letters. It's not a waste of time. It's a waste of time if you start reading Facebook posts and getting in arguments. That's a waste of time. But encouraging people, it's worth every moment. Every moment you can take. Last thing is get involved in your network. Listen, Hebrews 10, 25 says, let's not neglect meeting together as some of you would do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Find a moment. If there's an opportunity to get involved in somebody's life, and we're going to be talking about more this next week. Get involved in the life of your network. Get involved in the people in their life and if something's going on in their life and you can send them a message and saying, okay, this is specifically a message for their life specifically. Because it's one thing to say, hey, I'm just praying for you. It's another thing to say, hey, I'm praying for you because I know that you're going into a new job interview. You see, you've got to dig into somebody's life a little bit in order to get that information, right? Right? You've got to dig in a bit. You've got to ask questions. You have to know them. But what it does is that it shows not only that you're thinking of them, but that you're specifically thinking of them. Because listen, Jesus specifically is thinking of us, right? Come on, there are things in our life. God knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly who we are. He knows exactly the things that are going to bless us, that are going to help us, that are going to, that are going to show us the way to him. And, and so he, he tells us those things, specifically those things. And he doesn't say the same thing to me that he says to you or to you or to you or to you. Because it's, it really is about me. So make it really about them. And birthday messages don't count. Because your Facebook tells them, tells you when their birthday is, and that's not fair. Send a specific message. Send something. Get involved in their life. What, what's going on in their life? And if you can, take some time and be a part of their life. Not make them a part of yours, but be a part of theirs. If there's a way that you can do it, if there's some, if there's some opportunity for you to get involved in their life that's going to take some time, then do it. it it'll, it'll mean the world. It'll mean the world. It'll mean that you'll have a stronger network. It'll mean that it'll be, you'll draw people to yourself because it, you're the light of the world. It's the Jesus in you that brings people life, but you are the, you're the light of the world. And I know that seems like an arrogant thing to say. I know, like, I'm the light of the world. What are you talking about? How, how can I even say that? But listen, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And if you want to infect people in your life, then you've you got to draw people in, not push them away. And we each have to do this. This is a part that we all have to play. My kids play sports all the time. We play, my, recently my kids were, were playing basketball, and if you don't cover your man in basketball, then your man is going to get the ball, and your man's going to score. So for every person who's on the court, you have a responsibility to cover your man. That's our assignment. Your assignment is your network. And we got to make sure, you got to make sure that your network is healthy and that you're drawing people in. So that, that's going to take some fertilizer. It's going it's gonna, it's gonna to take some, uh, some trimming with the whippersnippers, my dad used to call it. It's going to take some 
It's going to take some watering. It's going to take some fixing for you to do something to that, to that lawn so that it's a place that people feel welcome. So like, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. But that's what it takes in order to do anything that's healthy. Right? We want to draw people to our network, not push them away. We can do that. We can do it. Humility and confidence. Humility and confidence. Don't let appearances fool you. And be an encourager. And I'm telling you, that will bring a health to your network that more and more people will want to be connected to you and that you will be able to connect them to Jesus. Make sense? Let's pray.